Welcome to Movie to Beer, everybody. This is Dan bringing us in, and we have a wonderful conversation that we're going to have tonight about a film that was done back in the 90s. 1983. And before we even really get that far into it, we're going to have a brief introduction here. I, we have our usual monkey crew here sitting at the table. <laughs> I'm a chimpanzee, sir. Trying not I to, right to make each other I'm a bonobo. Uh, yeah, here we go. And the, the, this, this movie has no monkeys in it, but I said that just to kind of throw these guys for a loop, and I think I was successful. We threw you for a loop. I, yeah. I'm, I, was, I brought 12 monkeys, and there's only four of us. So so how many degrees of separation does this film have from 12 monkeys? Uh, um, zero. Zero, because zero. Brad Pitt's yeah. in it. Right. Yes. So, uh, dear listener, I am Aaron. I'm your pillow fight expert. Pillow fights. This is Blake. I'm your comic book store expert. Ooh. And this is Brian. I'm a what is a Drexel expert. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> a Drexel is the force of nature, but baby. Actually, and, and all these, legit, all these... I grew up on Drexel Avenue when I was a kid. That that threw me watching yeah. the movie we're about to introduce, Look which is guy. true true romance. So Look at this, this guy this is, grew up on Drexel this, Avenue. This movie uh, came out. Uh, with basically a who's who's list of everyone in Hollywood, because it does take place in L.A. Well, the part end. of it does, but it starts in Detroit, Detroit, Michigan, Mama and Spaghetti, etc. So there's a comic book nerd named and Elvis fanatic named Clarence, played by Christian Slater, and he gets hooked up with a prostitute because his boss felt really bad for him uh, on his she birthday. Makes a point about it being a, it's a call, call girl. girl. Yeah. So and there's a difference. The there's boss called the service. When she's crying outside with a blanket around her. And Patricia Arquette, I think, does a really good job in this. And we'll get into phenomenal. it later. Like there's other actresses who were might have auditioned for this role and didn't get it. Thank God, because I think she did a really good job. Br- Brian and I were. Well, I was saying at Brian, I think you were right that this other actress wouldn't have been good. Brian's like, okay, let me watch the movie. What, okay. Yeah. This is the other thing I think. So <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> Alabama this scene is in the particular, name. She would not work. Yeah, yeah no. There's yeah. a lot of violence. There's a lot of language. There's nudity. Well, there's a, a lot of It's a Quentin Tarantino script so directed it by it's directed by Tony Scott. Yeah. Who has who did uh the Jet movie? Oh my god. Top Gun. Thank Top. you. Yes. He did Top Gun. He's done a couple other like classic '80s and '90s films, or people reference and don't realize are referencing his work. He's um, he's no longer with us, but he was an accomplished director. This, I mean, the, the, so, yeah, the, this was not directed by Tarantino, no, but yeah. it absolutely feels like a Tarantino film. Well, the me. screenplay was by, by him, so yeah, right. he had a yeah. vo- he had a particular voice. Uh, by, he has by, fetish, by the '90s. He yeah. has a fetish for violence, is what he has. Fetish for violence, fetish well, for film. But, but his his writing, his wordsmithing, yeah. Is really incredible. I, True. I I would say that this film tones down the violence from a Kill Bill or which, a Reservoir Dogs, which right. I think is a, a Tony Scott call because right his films tend to be more poetic, maybe like a, a bit more uh, a, a a bit softer than Tarantino. I describe Tarantino films as having various lengths of fuses to various sizes of dynamite. This you is know. a slow burn till the very end. There's, well, there's little, no, not, there's even, little not even this movie. Just like like in, in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, very long fuse until the big dynamite. Pulp Fiction has various small fuses with big dynamites. This one, I don't think there's a fuse. It's a Tony Scott film. Yeah. like You, you get right, the, yeah. the sense of everyone speaking in very particular pop culture phrases uh, yeah. in a way that's... Like the lead character is obsessed with Elvis. He works in a comic book shop. He takes his, his, co- his sugar with coffee. Like very very particular yeah. bits and pieces that make a character things where you say, oh yeah, I know Jim. He he's big into like dip and he well, eats uh, slim jims. Uh, like in a way that's it builds a character in a way that I kind of know that guy. To, to to pull back though, I mean, there's also this kind of obsession with other movies that shows up in Tarantino. A lot, he's a too. massive cinephile, right? And that that shows up, I yeah, think, in his a lot of other films are referenced. Right. He references yeah. he references a uh, uh, Street Fighter, the Sonny Chiba films, which they may be cheesy. I love them. They're fun. They're, they're, they're kung fu movies. He yeah. he goes to so so to set the stage. The movie starts with him going hitting on somebody who then gets. Is like I'm not going to three kung fu movies with you. Bye. Not my thing. Not my thing. And goes and goes to a theater. And his boss is knowing that it's his birthday and he's going to go do this. And so he, he provides the services of a call girl uh, to him. Annoying, annoyingly. And, and, and you think at first it's a meet cute. Yes. It, you, oh my it's god! You really do. Known. Yeah. It, it's like uh, she's accidentally there and accidentally she, spills popcorn she, on you. That was no accident. She totally intentionally well, spilled yeah, popcorn. No, yeah. We just didn't know but, her reasons. We yeah. thought it was a yeah, yeah, cute right. reason. Yeah. But it, there was it's, more. It's to a it. weird, like a weird 
in your face meet cute stuff. It's like a take on the meet cute. And, and Where instead of bumping into each other and you're dropping your, your, your papers, it's, I'm in a movie, I'm smoking. Oh, oh hey, you're just I, here. Okay, I think in right. like 1993, this was how some people met. Like you yeah. spill your drink Pre-internet, on somebody dude. and you figure out if they're a jerk or not. Yeah, and, and, and maybe that goes to the, the, the title of the film. This is a true romance. Right. Right? They really she was like paid to be with her. And then chemistry kind of took over. Right. And yeah, they actually yeah. fell in love. They had a true romance. They right. did. And so there's also a whole bunch of other really good supporting actors that do sort of short cameos. Dude, uh, let's name them. a couple of them. Samuel so, Jackson is a character for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Corgan, who is, this might be one of his first roles, goes on to do more stuff. Brad Pitt's Floyd. Yeah, we love Floyd. Christopher Walken was Christopher Walken plays a uh, Sicilian mob boss in mob Detroit. Boss. Yep, Dan, great Dennis place Hopper plays his dad. God, Dennis Hopper, and they have a face off that has some <laughs> sort of improvised. They take off each other's faces. Yeah, wait, different movie. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and then there's Gary Oldman Gary who Oldman plays Drexel, God. one of my favorite ten minute scenes in all of his history of cinema. Yeah, what what he, what about it makes amazing. you love it so much? He just inhabits the character, and he just—I don't know. It's just so fun. The the dialogue is so right on the nose, economic. The light. The, the I mean the, <laughs> oh, the light. There, there's Aaron was doing a visual the light. bit. Swing so the much light. happening. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, uh, Oldman was working on another film when Tony Scott said, like, "How much you for this role?" He's like, "Well, I don't, I, I don't know." And Scott told him, "It's a white guy who thinks he's black who's a pimp." And almost like, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, I'm on board. And, <laughs> and then you buy and then, it. <laughs> and he does such a great job. I was telling Brian, I didn't think he was in. Lo- I mean, spoiler alert, I guess. But like this movie's what thirty years old at this point. Yeah, it, it's. Like, I would. I was ready for the hat and the dreadlocks to fall off when he shoots him just before he dies. I was like, come on, you got to see that they're fake because they're obviously fake. Not not a Tony Scott film, man. He takes everything very seriously. But I forgot he's only in this movie. In the first act, yeah, not yeah, even for, that. I was for, yeah, for I ten minutes. I genuinely and, thought he was a recurring villain, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's so, such a presence. So, uh, talking about this scene, what I think we all enjoy this film, and we had a couple of really good beers to go with it too. That oh yeah, let's I, mention we'll, those. We're going to mention <laughs> and these. Then we'll get to my point. No, it's, just, we'll, it's just movie yeah. ampersand, and we just stop. <laughs> yeah, we knew what we were going to watch ahead of time, and I was at the store the other day at a Freddy's, and there's. A brewery here called Widmer Brothers, and it's been around a long time. And Widmer, it's a uh, it's, it's based out of uh, uh, Portland, right? It's based out of Portland yeah. since yeah. 1984, so before this movie was made. So but this would have been considered the same a classic. year I was born. This would be considered a classic. These two beers that I that we tried, their Hef and their Drop Top Amber, are sort of their core beers. Their Hef is what they've been making since the very get go. This was a homebrew recipe. So I'm going to talk about that a whole bunch later. We had a couple of just simple beers. I mean, the, the whole thing was like this is a complex movie. I didn't want to distract, mm-hmm. so let's let's pull something simple that's not high alcohol that you just sip classics yeah. classic yeah, beers yeah. that have been around as long as this film has this film's kind of a classic it's yep. it's like a cult classic yeah so what, one of the points i wanted to make was this is a, a a great film to me i really enjoy it i don't think it would be the top 50 of a lot of people's list right right but there the individual scenes there are many great scenes that are two well-known actors chewing on great words mm-hmm. and the acting is phenomenal mm-hmm. and the words are great. And so the scenes are individual scenes are really memorable. I don't know the, the, the plot is fairly simple mm-hmm. and, oh, yeah. and maybe that's what makes it not a, it's, you know, the top 100 it, it, There's no surprise films. There's the, no surprises yeah. in this movie. You know, that they're either going to survive or not. And if they survive, they're going to be on vacation because there's marimba music throughout half of the movie. Marimba music is uh, a, a wonderful indicator of, okay, things are going to be all right. And then you see like, well, it's a juxtaposition because like when most of the, when yes. you hear it, things are not all right. Yeah. But, <laughs> like, but, but they have fantasies of things being better. Like things right. are, yeah. this things are going to be better, baby. I'm, think, I'm Christian Slater. Well, the, one, one of the, uh, the, the scenes I think that really encapsulates that and, and a lot of the spirit of this film is our two main protagonists. Um, uh, Clarence and Alabama. Clarence and Alabama are sitting in this abandoned couch near the airport talking about how they used to hate airports. Oh. 
because yeah. it represented uh, a flight have. that they never had access to before. But now their circumstances are changing. They've got opportunities they didn't have before. And their attitude towards airports and you know life is, is changing because now this is accessible for them. They can go somewhere else. They can start over. But it still I, feels I, I, real that... Was he, say. He's patching her up. Mm-hmm. Like is, she, they're, both, been, they're both marred by horrible, like a horrible circumstance. They, they, scene they're sitting on an old, yeah. crappy couch, an abandoned, couch. abandoned that, couch that, by the freeway outside the airport, directly next to the airport, the, LAX, the, the, yeah. the runway, the yeah. runway. Yeah. Thank you. So a lot of airports have roads that run around the fence, and that's for access. Yeah, but, but a lot of people, you can literally just go park. I know here in Portland, you can go park and watch the planes land. Like literally right there next to him. It's on the other side of the fence. There's that's the my right. fifth favorite oh, so. thing to do in Portland. I'll, I'll keep yes. that in mind next time the mafia is after me for stolen merchandise. Like, yeah. Will you <laughs> stop stealing from the mafia? I keep telling you not to, yeah, and you're like, it's eh, a bad cool idea. Right? It is a bad idea. So but I, I want to uh, track back to what sure. Brian you were saying a, a moment ago that this is one of the top fifty films you've got, and I, I I can see why. There's a lot here to recommend it. I also want to say like I don't think before this I don't think I gave Christian Slater enough credit as an actor. I mean, he gleamed actor. the cube. And he jumped over an eight-foot <laughs> cement barrier going 40 miles an hour down a freeway and ollied over it and landed and kept going. That's dope, dude. Hold your tongue, sir. <laughs> I just he, To me, he seemed like he was kind of a an action hero and didn't have quite as much depth. But yeah, both he, he and very Patricia Arquette, they get into the emotional turmoil and the kind of brokenness of these two main protagonists, yeah. and I and think they sell it. They do. And, they do. And, and these are two, yeah. I, I mean, they call themselves working class, but I would say they're working poor at best. Yeah. Right. And we don't see that in films very often. Right. I mean, we certainly don't see a romance between, you know, a call girl and a dude in a, a comic book store. Well, a comic book awesome. store who spends his birthday evening alone going to a, uh, you know, a black a three, mount theater. A, a, yeah. kung a three kung fu movies in a row. I don't want to call myself out, but that sounds like a flawless birthday. I know, right? <laughs> I, triple, I'm sitting here thinking features. about it. I was like, I don't have to talk to anybody. This is awesome. I mean, last year I made a bunch of my friends watch the Edgar Wright Cornetto trilogy for my birthday, but that's yeah. a, I'm just saying. Well, but, but that's a different thing. But I didn't have a, a, a Patricia Arquette like hitting on me and dumping popcorn on me. <laughs> All right, but and then make me that's next year, Blake. Kill kill Gary Oldman <laughs> and stealing his cocaine. She, she is a ref, refugee <laughs> yeah, from Florida. Who's been a call girl for three, four days, days, four days, four days. It's her third trick. You Florida. Yeah. And client well, dance. Florida, exactly. <laughs> right. It's an alligator. And, and she clearly has personal boundary issues. Right. I think... And, and he's he's a guy whose father used to be on the police force, who now lives... an alcoholic. Boy, and Dennis Hopper... trailer. Dennis Hopper played that so well. Just tracks. like broken, just, just done. Just a broken man in he, Detroit. He's just done with his old life. He's living the life he can live with his wife divorcing him and living with the... Rottweiler, I think. Yeah, there's a dog. There's and, a dog. And uh and not drinking beer. And finally He could, but he doesn't a- want a- to after well, no, he shouldn't. He shouldn't because he, shouldn't. he had to go to AA. And just I loved what he did with that character. I forgot Dan Hopper was in this. And he was one of my favorite characters in the whole film. He just He's, he's great. Working. And and the scene with him and Christopher Walken. Oh my god. And James Gondolfini, she, by the way. Hit him yes. in the scene just when his son shows up and he he calls him out saying okay you just came out of nowhere it's been Haven't three years, three years. Well, Slow I, don't, don't, get me, don't get me wrong i love you but what are you doing right. like just it, it felt very real and i'm curious if tarantino's dad had a similar discussion with him or if he knew someone who had that kind of relation where i'm just been kind of effing around for the past three years i just show up like what why what are you doing so that, that's a really good question. So the other question would be is Val Kilmer had just finished filming The Doors when he took this role. Really? All five or ten minutes of him on the screen took like hours and hours and hours of makeup to get him to be a fuzzy picture of sort of Elvis you, from you know, his imagination. Out of frame Elvis. Out of frame Elvis. I'm, I'm going to say we broke the story that Kilmer's in this movie because I genuinely forgot. Yeah, he is. I, I That was some he of the trivia his... I looked up. I was like, damn, dude. And, and it was it, it took him forever to get a makeup and then it was two short scenes. But he did such a good job. Yeah. It it really sells how uh, uh 
Clarence's character is. Just how unstable that guy is. He's super unstable. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because only shows up when he's by himself. His patron in the saint is Elvis. Yes. And, and the first scene of the film is about how he would have sex with Elvis. Right. Yes. That is a very Tarantino thing: is setting up a, the movie with here's his first scene to tell you what all the characters are like, and then we'll have the movie. And this is how this main character is really effed up in, in some some way. <laughs> in or some. Yeah. I want to ask bit. Detroit. I mean, his hair. His hair is very Elvis. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, Detroit. Detroit. Los Angeles. Mexico. Each of these like locations has like sort of a very different feel and very different personality and kind of different. I think emotional. There's something you think of when you hear each one, right? Immediately. And uh, I mean, I'm trying to remember, like, you know, what was Detroit in 1993? I wasn't really paying, garbage. paying attention. I was nine years old, it was so a garbage I didn't know it existed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it, not but I mean, it, I imagine it's kind of like on the same. It, track it's a, it was it's a post automobile. Right. Industrial city in massive decline. Right. And so, Lots like, of empty houses everywhere. Yeah. Uh, kind of, South uh, Drexel got a good deal on that uh, huge ass house. Urban yeah. urban decay. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I wonder like if it was you know choosing Detroit specifically because there could have been West Virginia, there could have been you know any Flint, Michigan, any, anywhere in New been, Jersey, anywhere in New Jersey. I'm almost curious to see if Tarantino originally said it in L.A. because he is just a cinephobe and he's a huge fan of film. If he just, I mean, like from the jump said, yes, this is in California, but maybe changed it based on friends' notes or just thinking, well, it's cool if they travel there. They need a reason to run away. If they use the cool, the beautiful purple Cadillac to get out of there. Yeah, they they needed to attempt to leave their old lives behind. I mean, that was yeah. very much yeah. a big thing from the, I mean, that was kind of the end of act one Yeah, was I'm going to tie made, up loose ends here. We make some big moves go somewhere else. We shoot certain white gangsters in the genitals and leave. What? And then, you know, use whatever connections you have. Cause you know, a guy in LA, it's right. He might know like a guy a who knows a guy Yeah, and you can then move all this product at once. I, I think it's interesting how, like, you know, we've had a lot of movies where somebody's like a reluctant hero that kind of gets pushed, like Fifth Element, you know, reluctant hero. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. This is a hero that just makes bad decisions and keeps running with them, you know? Like, he, like oops, this is cocaine and not clothes. Well, I guess I got to sell it now. He does make a lot of poor decisions. Really poor no, decisions. And just kind of goes off his uh, gut instinct, so which can I you, think Dan mentioned. But he, this he is, is a self-insert. He's he's yeah. very earnest about those decisions. Yeah, right? he right. makes a decision, and okay, I'm going this direction now. But I feel like Dan was talking about a this is like a self insert for Tarantino because he yeah. used to work on like either a comic shop or a video shop or whatever like something like that. Yeah. Cruddy retail gig in the '90s. And this really feel that that makes you think he's thinking. Well, of course I do this because I'm awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I look weird. I love feet. I'm gonna do this. <laughs> like the overconfidence. Yeah, of, yeah. Uh, like, like, like that that want for oh, if I were if I were like more of a superhero, this is what I would do. So I wonder who the director is based off of, or the producer, the guy who's oh, buying the code. Well, I'm curious if Tarantino I, knows I someone can, or Tony <laughs> Scott knows someone. I can speak to this. I know you can. <laughs> I spill, I spill that tea, girl. I would say that this guy is very familiar. With all of them. (laughs) (laughs) He knows what a movie is. He knows how to distribute that movie. Yeah, I I would say, I mean, not the drug references, but the personality type is very familiar. Being very aggressive that you called him on his car phone on a Sunday. Very aggressive, very egocentric, Mm -hmm. and, and very belittling to everyone around you to... Keep yourself at the top. I mean, everybody, every place I ever worked at There's was emotionally there. broken. Yeah. They, they were rageaholics. And so, yeah, that guy felt very, very familiar. familiar. Yeah. And I'm not uh, going to name names, but uh, <laughs> uh, I'd love to ask you. It's a who's we, who we mentioned. A, we'll start a new podcast for that, Brian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the Burning Bridges podcast. We'll put it on the dark web. <laughs> dark web. <laughs> dark web. Uh, we mentioned cross cutting in this film. Because you referenced it was different than the usually do, it was a different purpose for why they do cross cutting. And I asked you, what is the purpose of cross cutting? So, uh, cross cutting is either to show 
uh, two scenes where parallel actions are happening at the same time. Like, typically it, emotionally it, similar? Emotionally or? or even physically similar. So like in Fifth Element, the fight scenes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where we last talked about it. But so it could be just contemporaneous, previous, like happening at the same happening time. Happening at too. the same time. Mm-hmm, yeah. And in this film... Uh, they were the the two scenes that were cross cut were emotionally they were emotional foils. So mm-hmm. one was absolutely different. One was uh, Patricia- protagonist one Alabama being uh, beaten up by a mobster by a uh, uh, Virgil played by uh, uh, James Gandolfini. James Gandolfini. Uh, absolutely like life and death thrashing, and she, you th- as the viewer thinks she's not going to make it. Like a scene that I found on trivia took five days to film. So it's just right. that but, hard to just get done. But what masterful acting by Patricia Arquette. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. Like, that's Let, so well. Let's come back to yeah, that yeah. scene after we but close, then, yeah. close but out then the cross We see that, and we cut back to... Clarence. Ordering burgers. <laughs> yeah, and, and talking about an Elvis... Uh, Article in a magazine, annoying he, some stander by right. yeah, some random he's guy. He's just having there. the time, you know, a normal day in his life, <laughs> oblivious to what's happening to his newly minted bride. Right, <sighs> right. And so, what's happening to her? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> boy, howdy. She is being beaten up by the mob. Yeah, um, they're looking because, for their coke, and yeah, they, they want to find the guy who stole it. And exactly. Pretty brutal, and James Gandolfini. This Ooh. is before The Sopranos. He is playing a an absolute sadist who's enjoying beating up this woman. Yeah, yeah. And he, and he, he, he talks clearly, about it while he's doing it. I. It's like the first time you kill, it's hard. The second time, yeah. you kind of throw up a little bit. The third yeah, time, it's easier. And at yeah, that you're, point, you're so cute. Yes, you're, you're so, so cute. Just it's cute. just like there's punch, detachment. Punch, it's just detachment yeah. because oh, at you, that point, he likes to play with his food. Yeah. He plays oh, a true you, villain. You want to yeah. fight back? Go ahead. I'll give you the first shot, baby. Here's mm-hmm. a free hit. Yeah, he opens his 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 button up. Up and then she hits him with the the foot screw. Yeah, yeah, but, which is always yeah, a good shot. The uh, the fact that it was this horrible beating scene, uh, cross cut with. Yeah, let me get two double burgers. And oh, the Elvis article is so fantastic, yeah. and like you know, t- look, look at the well, stuff about here about the real. I almost heard yeah. like I almost heard the like while he's doing. And it, it, oh no! And, and I will posit that. The, the scene where Christian Slater goes up against her pimp Drexel showed Boy, what, what, what he, he was do. willing yeah. to put on the line for her. Yeah. And this scene showed what she was willing to put on the line for oh, him. Oh, I like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, you know. It's, right? It's, it's they, direct, they were it's both... It's a reflection of each other. They it's, were both ready to give it all up. It was, you know, the gift of the Magi. They were going to give it all up for the other. I love and, that. But, it it and, shows and it, how she had they to give just, up... They so just happen to be lucky and live. Yeah. She gave up so much more than he did. Like he got beat up in some, but she got brutalized. What, but I also oh, think yeah. it's like you know we we suspect that she's tough and resilient before this because right, you know right. you don't you don't end up from Tallahassee to Detroit you know with nothing bad yeah. happening to you. And she she's you know a little worse for the wear, but not as worse as you might expect. Yeah. But here you see like the incredible spine that this character right. has, right? And the resilience. She, she is she is not just. She's, she's not the uh, no, Madonna no. and whore all in one package. Right. Right. She's a real. She's, she's not Mary Mac person. Yeah. <laughs> but right. I, but I think it's like, it helps badass. to it helps to flesh out the character. Yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah. She she's oh, not yeah. just the sexual object of the main character's desire. She she's an equal part in this relationship. Yeah. So how could this movie have ended differently but still have the same impact? They all die. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm like, so the father not dying or sorry, the father sorry, dying? I'm laughing, but Aaron's not wrong. <laughs> like, I was I was like, yeah, no. Somebody, I was ready. I was I ready was, for that. I was ready for the 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 friend that's the actor. That Michael Rappaport. Michael Rappaport. I, I sure was ready don't know for what his character name is. To either grab the thing of Coke and run with it and not just throw it in the air. Which is more of a, a 2000s thing. That was more of a thing where the, the writers would say, yeah, it's just throw the whole thing away, whatever. But in the 90s, they were coming off the 80s and everyone was still, well, Doing actions it. have consequences. We have to make this matter. Yeah. And and I think and, it's it's like I would have seen him like grab the money and run, but it was sitting right? next to her well, and he was sort of I, next to her. But I'm surprised it didn't happen. I think we should watch the post-credit sequence because I swear I remember him in TJ Hooker. 
<laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. So, Ooh, so another, but, another and, and we didn't watch the end of the credits. Which just, yeah. just flower fluff all around his nostrils. Uh, <laughs> so, the, for people under the age of thirty-five, T.J. Hooker was a cop show. I think it went for three seasons, three seasons, maybe three or four, starring Captain Kirk, and it yes. was like uh, late eighties. Shatner, Shatner, William Shatner, <laughs> and it was kind of like Knight Rider, but not as good, right? Yeah, that, it was. It was. Yeah. It was really He's a regular bad. ass cop who didn't have a talking car, so who cares? Yeah. I mean, yeah, everybody loved the talking car. I want a talking car. Yeah, well, everybody yeah. wanted this talking car. My birthday's so, coming up in three months, boys. Give me a yes. talking car. <laughs> so his whole dream was to meet William Shatner, and and he was really trying. He got an audition to read for a part on one of the episodes. This was what was the character's name? Like, he, he, he was uh, one of the bad uh, guys. He was on the bad guy, Dick Ritchie, uh, Dick Ritchie. Uh, I believe. Mur- Myrtle, Mikey, or something. Yeah. He's one of the bad guys that was hooked, driving the, a car. TJ gets on the hood. He has to yell, "Get him off the hood! What are you doing?" And boy, what a delightful just little peek into how Hollywood what it was and is. I just finished a book by Tom Hanks about a like a novel about how to, a movie being made, and he covers all the stuff like behind the scenes, like oh man, people getting crafts and fixing this and doing this, like you know the fun and glitz and glamour of seeing the movie. So it's fresh in my mind seeing oh yeah, you you just sit in a, a weird little a hot box of an office and say uh, yeah, so oh we gotta get him out of here. Tell me what you, uh, how are you going to get him out of here? Like the other person is reading the lines real deadpan and, and, and depressing. So he, yeah, so he, we're talking about the casting process. The casting There's process. There's a scene about casting DJ Hooker yes. with, uh, with, uh, Mr. Rappaport's character. Mr. Yeah. Dick, Which, Dick Ritchie. Dick Ritchie, who, who, who is that, Clarence's best friend from back home. Yes. Right. That's why went, he, who left L- Detroit to L.A. to go, go make a big and, 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 and that's why they have a place in L.A. to go to. To so become an I, actor. An it, actor playing an actor in a, who's, in a, who's not a very good actor, <laughs> which which I kept commenting on. I was like, these are actors playing actors who aren't supposed to be very good actors, but who are really f- amazing good actors. Because, well, yeah. I mean, he went on to go be on a ton of yeah, cop but, shows. I mean, Rappaport's At a the time of this name. film, Rappaport yeah. was not a well-known actor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I mean, I, I can out. see he just went on a TJ Hooker audition yeah. <laughs> three months before they shot this. He, he, he looks like a stressed out Bill Burr. I want to ask, like, so you know, we, we've got uh, you know, true romance, and you know, nineteen ninety three. Kind yeah. of, I I would mark that towards the beginning of Tarantino's career, as far as I'm aware. I mean, uh, but I'm Reservoir ask, Dogs came out in ninety two, so yeah. All right, so, but I'm going to ask, kind of, where does it fit amongst that pantheon, of, like Reservoir Dogs, Natural Born Killers, um, From Dusk Till Dawn? You know, these kind of like early mid nineties violence stories. Are you telling me that the nineties are like a soft? reboot of Grindhouse films? Because I'm, I'm on board with it. I love it. I like, at least from it makes a lot of sense. From I mean, his yeah. perspective, yes. the, the genre seemed healthy in, in that in that cycle, right? In that time, that time frame. There was a time when, God, what was the 80s? Romance comedies? Like romantic comedies? Yeah, this was like 25 so? years ago. I don't remember. I mean, there was Sleepless in, to, in Seattle, but that, that also was like I, 89. I feel like <laughs> the 90s was... I've, I've always seen the 90s as the 70s where... 70s were very experimental. Like a Jackie lot of, Brown. No, I mean, ahead. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exa- exactly. Jackie Brown. But you also had white people in, in a... In a Turtle Turtle Night fever. In, in turtleneck sweaters playing in Sorry. sci-fi films. Like, oh, no, the world's done. And then... Kramer versus hit. Kramer. Kramer versus yeah. Kramer. And so. then the 90s was like, oh, hey, we're going to just get weird with cinema again. Let's just do whatever we want and see what, ha- and see what sticks. And we got Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction... We got a much a bunch of amazing films in the '90s, and then 2000s kind of slowed down until. Bill Wrong. Knows. Don't don't you say this because we did like 14 episodes on no, no, 2004. Gonna, no, <laughs> I, you you beat me to it. I was going to say until 2004, we got a big heyday of amazing films. It, it's just it goes in cycles. Like so, there's chunks where it's amazing film. There's chunks where it's like it, it's good, but no one remembers it. What was happening in the environment then, or what, who was who was influencing Aaron, in the early I'm '90s? I'm a horrible student of history. I will not recall what was happening then. Okay. I just I just. No, in film, the '90s were a really fun time to make and watch a film. Well, I mean, I having watched like Kill Bill. One of my big takeaways was uh, like, 2001. 2001. Did, well, Tar- but Tarantino. College, that might have been Kill Bill too. Three. Well, t- Tarantino's uh, kind of f- uh, veneration. Eighty-eight of, to like, ninety-two was the first Gulf War, and uh, George George H W H W Bush Dub. 
So that's kind of what was going on. It was the go-go 90s, kind of the... The, Do, the dot-com boom, right? Wild the and, and there was a weird uptick of like capital. 60s... Uh, uh, there was a weird uptick of 60s fashion in the 90s. Oh, I think 70s, because like bell-bottom pants. Well, also like, flou- like flower child culture and, and oh, yeah, all that they stuff. redid Woodstock. Yeah. Weird. Okay. Any nine. That was bad. But, I think we're getting but, the weeds. But anyway, now. I just we're way, yeah. way in the weeds. But, the weeds at this point. So well, okay. this film was within, great. Within those weeds, <laughs> within those weeds, we discover that this hops. film, this film kind there of were hops ma- growing. This in those film weeds. matches. So Floyd make, was drinking a Miller. I'm making drive. a point, you mother truckers. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> oh yeah, Floyd, Floyd was drinking beer. Floyd was drinking beer. And How dare had some beer you? Too. I'm actually cognizant for once. Make the point. You're all talking over me. Okay, I'll shut up. Now, uh. It's Blake's time now. Well, now I'm, now I'm nervous. Everyone's now he doesn't remember what he's saying. No, it, it's uh, the, the, the fact of the, the night. Oh, boy, I really did forget it. I was thinking a bit before, and now I actually forgot you said, it. amongst those weeds, there was flowers and stuff. There were interesting things that we saw that were relatively well, important to the moment in time that this film was made. That has to be what I was talking about. Yeah. There were, like, there were scenes like driving through Detroit and driving through Las Vegas and driving through L.A. and seeing, wow, it really did look like that, like. I wasn't in LA at that time, but I certainly had seen Hollywood or not Hollywood. I'd seen Las Vegas at that point, And I'd seen not Detroit itself, but other cities like that on I'm, the East coast. I'm sorry, and it's Dan, just, are you, I'm, I'm are, just reaching at this point. Are you just saying the B roll is believable? Yes. The ble- the B roll <laughs> is mean, believable. That was a big seventies thing was just like all the B roll was, okay, here's the setting. And it always felt like you had to wash yourself afterwards. It was greasy. And the nineties did that too. And this film was a great example of that, where it just well, shows I mean, the, the smoggy skies of L.A. Yes, we all and, talked and, about that and, a and little the, bit. And the yeah. the snow covered streets of of Detroit with burned out cars and boarded up houses. I'm and like, that's not made up. Everyone's that's really wearing what it either like. like blankets over three layers of clothes or a shirt button up hoodie and then jacket like that's how you dress so you don't die in the i've, I've never gone into a, a a pimp's place and shot it up so i don't know if that the whole disco <gasps> you with, lied to with, me with giant what did he have a whole wall of he had a like, huge tv of like a porn happening it was, like porn going on it, in no, the it was like it was, it was p- the, pimp the mac it was pimp chic it was, right. it was, it was black exploitation yeah. it was yeah. and then and then which is a tarantino Tell. And then, yeah, then on the shit. other side of the room, there was like ten different uh, fish tanks that he yeah. got thrown into. Pimp also, are, yeah. is Chinese That's food a big like, thing in Detroit? Because he was bragging about the. Hey man, they have the Chinese food. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised you didn't sit down for that egg roll. Yeah, he boy, Gary Oldman, I, Gary Oldman. I got up. everything from diddle I do to <laughs> hell if I know. Because <laughs> yep. there's fifteen tells. Yeah. But I mean, the the psychologist that Gary Oldman plays is is so phenomenally sensitive and on point, and reads our protagonist pr- perfectly, precisely like, with, with, that, it, that, with his gold grill and his well, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. So and, like and yeah. his his white cloudy blind eye right. and his with big a clear scars. big scar. But yeah. it's kind of yeah. like you know Odin, where you 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 give up one eye for true sight, and you can see <laughs> the intention of other people. Hey man, Mugen oh, Guggen, go find me some. <laughs> Let's you can bleep that, that out. But, yeah, bleep it out. But like, that's what. I'm sorry, but you said Odin and Drexel. And Drexel's not Odin. Drexel no, is Drexel Loki. has the true sight. He has the true Drexel sight. is Loki, if anybody. Okay, but he's Loki, Loki on a bed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, anyway, all right. Anyway, let's, we're digressing. Let's, let's dig into that just briefly. So Drexel is missing his left eye, and by the end of the film. <gasps> so is our protagonist. Oh. Yes. I mean, I call Clarence Odin over Drexel. Clarence. Oh. And so what what do we think? I, I why, think I think Aaron's wrong no matter what he says. Patricia Arquette's actual four year old son is the kid on the beach with them. <gasps> I, I think true romance and true true sight are <laughs> intertwined. They cannot be separated. That's my takeaway from Love this whole true sight. Movie. Love is true sight. True sight. I think because he, he did ask him, you know, you look like you, you you haven't looked away from me. You walked in, the city's over here. You clocked me from the way you walked in. You walked in and all you've been staring at is me. So do you want me? I, I know I'm pretty, but I'm not as pretty as what's on the screen. With his right. huge white man dreads and his gross hat and his nasty skin. God, what a great character. Yeah. Yeah, and this kind of scar around like the yeah. right half of his face. So I, I was curious because it looked like he had a solid grill. 
And, he and probably Yeezy did. just put a solid grill in that cost him like $890,000. It's kind of like it was platinum. platinum it it was a good look at He talked fine. No, it's a single, single and piece of He sure of loved to talk so and bizarre. smile and I, show I, it I, I'm sure the prop master uh, <laughs> took care of that. Yeah. Well, no, I'm just sitting here going like, where's the inspiration that Yeezy's getting this stuff from? Because <laughs> from the streets. <laughs> from the streets. Well, he, he was a big he time So was this, was, this, was this cred? Was this street cred the way he looked? Because I don't know no. if it was making fun of it or if it was really that. I mean, there are various cultures where the most uh, uh, safe thing to do with your wealth is to wear it on your person. Like uh, classical India, they did that with lots of gold jewelry, uh, yeah. but also maybe some downtrodden neighborhoods where like you don't have, you're not banked. You don't have a safe deposit. Also, box see M and M. Yeah, so he's from Detroit. So keep your they, wealth they, on you. It's safe when, that way. When Galvani came in towards the end and is like, "Oh, you hit it under the bed," don't and he's mean. laughing so the way he he's cracked like, up. Who, like, who does wow, that? You... Who does that? Well, people who don't know any better, right? Yeah. But people our hero, a, tro- a true romance. People, our hero learned his lesson and lost his eye in the process, but he gained the wisdom. He had true sight, and I bet he had a delicious. Beer. What's the big thing in uh, Coro- California? Corona. Like, Corona beer. Corona. Yeah. But we didn't have Coronas. We had. Yeah. We have days. We had Whitmer beers. <laughs> so this is the time on the podcast that we're going <laughs> to take a, a minor break from talking about this wonderful film and try to think about beers for a moment. Again, we had known beforehand what we were going to watch. And I was walking around the store. Fred Meyer down the street. There's a bunch of them in the area. You, you were quoting they Elvis have, and talking about... Uh, I, Thank uh, you very much. Was was what, thinking like, hey, I don't have a lot of beer in my fridge, and hey, there's a an eighteen pack on sale of this beer, which I have not had in a long time, but I know is good. It's and, been a mess. I've had Widmer, like I think since when I lived this with is us a movie where you should buy beers on sale. You should beer buy on. You should <laughs> yeah, buy beer on sale to really follow the protagonist. Correct. I agree with that. Yeah, because you're penny pension, and not only that, buy something that's old that's been around a while. And these beers, at least as mentioned before, the American style Hefeweizen that Widmer puts out. This was their first beer back in 1984. This the recipe has changed a little bit over time. There's a little bit of copy on the can. I think Aaron might want to. Share with us a old, clean flavor and pronounced citrus and floral aromas define this American style Hefeweizen. The water in Portland is exceptionally mm-hmm. clear. Yep. There's actually, for those of our listeners who are in Canada or other places, uh, there, there's a section of Mount Hood that is partitioned. You can't go into it. It's just there for water collection. There's really? a drainage. Yep. And huh. it feeds the municipal water supply here, mm-hmm. which that exceptionally clear water, Dan, is one of the main ingredients of a beer, right? Correct. Most, also ramen. Most of the places that brew beer around the world have to treat their water in some way, shape, or form. It's either going to be heavy in minerals mm-hmm. or pH balance is going to be off or it's so soft or hard. Hard water or whatever, yeah. And so you have to do things to your water to get it neutral and then match it to your recipe. So it's kind of hard to take it from wherever it is to matching to a recipe. You have to take it to zero first. Well, guess what? The water in Portland, most of the city water is at zero, like zero pH. Like it is balanced. It is neutral. Yeah. They, they, do awesome. not, they do not add much chlorine or fluoride to it. There's a little bit just by law they have to, but very minimal. Um, so yeah, I mean, starting from, I was trying to think of Dr. Strangelove with the, the purity of essence of like, <laughs> who was talking about the purity of water and like yes. Portland water would make them proud. Uh, it but, would. But there's also then, uh, you know, Portland has the advantage of being like the perfect growing conditions for hops. Correct. Uh, which it's interesting that, you know, one of the first beers that kind of put Portland microbrews on the map back in the eighties is a Hefeweizen that's a wheat beer. That's not a traditional German Hefeweizen, but American style. So this is not going to have traditional Hef from Germany, a Bavarian style. It, and even other areas in Germany do make Hefeweizens. But the Bavarian one is what people think about, which is mm-hmm. going to have the clove and the esters from the kind of banana the esters, yeast, the banana-y taste. It's, it's going to maybe be funky to some people. It's going to be rotten bananas, the smell. The clove is also going to show up sometimes depending on the strain of yeast. So it doesn't necessarily matter much about the water. It's about the ingredients. So they're using a traditional, what you would say, a Hefeweizen malt bill using pale Munich wheat and caramel 40 to give it some darker color. But the hops are American-style hops. They're not 
noble hops from Germany. Mm -hmm. So that's so the difference. So feel free to, to chant USA, USA as yeah, you chug it. Pretty much. So there, this has Alchemy, Willamette, and Cascade. So the Willamette and Cascade are going to give you the flavors because those are added later in the boil. The Alchemy is sort of a higher alpha acidity. It's between 12 and 15 alpha acidity, I think, which is high, which you're not going to get any flavor. You're just going to get a little bittering out of it, but they probably don't add a lot. They just wanted a baseline to go from. And there's 26 IBUs. 26 we know, IBUs. We all know that doesn't indicate bitterness. Correct. It's just the amount of leftover acidic, you know, alpha uh -huh. acidity that's in nice. it after the boil and after it's done its thing. And yeah, it's kind of breathed and been happy. So 4.9% typical amount of alcohol. The ones in Germany may be a little bit lighter, but they're going to be really super cloudy usually. And they have yeast in them. This is filtered. For the most part, I mean, it's cloudy, but you're not going to get yeast sediment or fl or floaties in your can or your bottle. Back when they first started making it, that might have been the case. But anymore, because of the size of the production that they're doing, you're not going to find that. I mean, this is a mass-produced beer. They're doing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of barrels yeah, a month. They're, they're not a microbrewery. No. This no. is, well, so they, <laughs> they're macro. still considered, they're not as big as, say, Sam Adams. Sam Adams yeah. is producing twice as much as they are, but from the area standpoint, they are one of the biggest producers beer of beer. Producers. Yeah. But yep. unfortunately, they got bought out a few years ago, and I do, and the other reason I bought this was because I th wanted to celebrate and support them now, because mm -hmm. they were part of a group that were three or four different was breweries. Like Diageo or somebody? So they, they were sold as a group to AB InBev or somebody big. They got yeah, conglomerated. Yeah, yeah. I remember you telling me about that and me and thinking, should I not buy those anymore? They or? closed, they, they stopped doing their innovation brewing. So they had 20 different beers on draft at their Tap House restaurant. They closed the Tap House restaurant. They stopped doing anything innovative. They just focused on the core beers and started making Kona. So Kona out of, which was part oh, yeah. of this collaborative Kona. group that they were oh. bought out of, they're like, hey, you are now going to be the West Coast producer of this beer, which is super popular all over the West Coast more than your beer is. So most of their production, they do have specific cuddles. I've been lucky enough to go to Widmer a few times with the Oregon Brew Crew Homebrew Club. And we did a collaborator with them. And at a couple of the events that we've attended there that I attended, uh, we got to walk around their Hefeweizen specific kettles and they have like, they're three stories tall. They have three or four wow. fermentation tanks that are three stories tall. I mean, just imagine they're like, like 150 two barrels. That's a, a lot piece, of beers. That's two stories higher than the comic book <laughs> shop in this movie we it's saw. It's insane <laughs> how much beer they make, but they don't have to make it as frequently when you do it at that quantity. And yeah. you have a lot more control over the product because you're not changing ingredients all the time. It's going to be super uniform. And so yeah. that's what they've been known for. Their ingredients, yes, and their recipe, yes, have changed over time. But I would say that this put them on the map, but put again, as, as pointed out earlier, they were sort of at the forefront. Right. Um, there's a three or four other breweries that well, were around uh, at the same time they opened in the eighties and none of them were around. Well, no. Henry Weinhardt's is the only one I can think they of. They got bought out and then moved. They actually were around in the 1800s. Right. So Weinhardt's was before an independent brewery before prohibition and, and then made root beer, oh. made root beer. And then they, they've, yeah, that, that brand was around a long time, but that got bought out back in the 60s or 70s and moved out. Like oh, they, I thought they started making Hefeweizen again. Back no, in no, 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 no. They they were just making their, they I mean, have three or one. four different labels that they only made. They never did anything experimental. They they oh. stuck traditional German style of like it's a brewery and that's all they make is just mm -hmm. those three or four beers at the most. Oh. Maybe one or two, depending on where it is and their size. Well, and then they branched out. Like, there's a restaurant downtown that's probably most of the. Well, that's that's business. a namesake. That's right. that's not part of that original business. That business got yeah, sold. Yeah, obviously, we all knew the, that. The it's drug. the tradition, Blake. Like, it's from, the tradition. From what I remember, that company got bought out by Molson Coors a really long time ago, and the production uh, moved somewhere else, like Colorado or Texas or someplace. Oh, it's not even made here anymore. I Australia. Didn't I didn't yeah, no, no, that that moved away a long time ago. But I know Private Reserve was really good. I like that. Mm -hmm. It was just pale ale. They, I think they had three or four good beers. What well, we had like a second beer. good. Beer. <laughs> we did. We digressed a little bit. So, anyway, you guys have it any, makes sense because, any thoughts uh, on the Hef? I, I liked it. I, I mean, this is one of the first local beers, quote unquote, I, I drank when I first moved here. And I've always enjoyed it. I've always, anytime I'm thinking, I'm not sure what to get, I usually end up getting this. I don't know if it matched the movie as well as I would like to, but. I, I it still, didn't distract, that's for sure. It didn't distract. Yeah, it, I, it I, went I think fine it went, with the film. I think it went pretty well. I mean, I, I would say if we were going to really 
drill down onto what what kind of beer we should have with the film. Yeah. I would go with a more uh like a Schlitz. <laughs> something <laughs> or something from that area. Or old Milwaukee and yeah. a, you know a Rainier maybe. And, uh, old German. And an American adjunct lager. Yeah. From that region. I, I, I mean, would, I, uh, Schlitz is probably out of business, but something, mm, something they might, like that. I think Super Troopers bump, bump them back up. I think they're doing okay. Oh, yeah. all right. <laughs> is it Shells, maybe? Shells, uh, I think, is brewed in southern Minnesota. Or nope. yeah, yeah. we could do Goose Island. That's out of Chicago, like a yeah. Goose Island pale yeah. ale. That's maybe two socioeconomic statuses higher and, and, than our protagonists. And that, that would have also but, gone with, I mean, right. thematically, it would have gone with the film. It yeah. would have also... I mean, but I wasn't thinking of that. It, I, it I has like, less flavor than this Hefeweizen. I, so, for sure. so this film was about locals. Yeah, it was, and this is this beer is this about is local. A local beer. This is a local us. beer, I, and yeah, it's like cheap. That. I agree with that. But earlier, <laughs> Brian said the beer that's on sale is what you should so buy, buy for watch this. Yes. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with yes. that. Right. That, <laughs> that would even be more themed. I walked past the cheap stuff. <laughs> and went to the first thing on sale, which was this on the aisle. And and so this was not a big, big Freddy's that has a gigantic beer aisle. It's all the beer in one aisle. Like, it's like all the cheap so it's commercial like a, nor- a normal store cars. for most a Americans. A normal <laughs> store for most Americans. Yeah. Not, not yeah. some of the stores that I go to where there's three aisles of beer and all refrigerated. And it's like right. an insane selection of good and stuff. And you hear the heavenly angels sing as you walk in like, oh. And you, and you, and you open the door and, and there's more singing. It's just we are, amazing. We are spoiled for choice. And, yes, and Dan we begins weeping, falling to his knees. Sometimes. I'm like, I've a, never seen that in a store. In, in a fit of joy. Because, you know. Meanwhile, right, we so, have a second beer. <laughs> Uh, 40 years on, this beer is still solid. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. You know? and, and it was fine. Was good, yeah. It didn't distract from the film. Yeah. It, it was very close to an American adjunct lager. Uh, yeah, as best as we can get. It's a solid close. liquid. Yeah. yeah. It's a good liquid. All right. So the second one we did was Aaron, Drop, Top, gas. <laughs> Drop Top Amber Ale, which was a beer they came out with later. Uh, this is there any interesting copy on the can that you can inform us with, Aaron? Well, I think the can I got is like it's orange on orange. It's it hard is. Right. So, um, <clears throat> honey malt and a touch of milk sugar. Government juices. warning. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Brian but, did the Blake joke. Go go for it, Blake. Honey malt and a touch of milk sugar gives the amber ale a unique silky character with complex flavors. Well and done. Rich. Smooth and silky. Five point three percent alcohol by volume, and it's only what eighteen IBUs. So this amber ale has less IBUs than the Hefeweizen does, which some people are like what? And like, yeah, no, it's supposed to be more caramel. I was very upset by it, and then you calmed me down, and it was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually enjoyed this beer better than the first. Yeah, pale caramel ten. Uh, but so I would extra. say this goes less with the film. Oh, yeah, it did not I'd, go with I would it agree that it doesn't match the film, but I think I like it more also. Yeah. I mean, I, it is winter here in the Pacific Northwest. I might just be into anything that's like hearty and malty. I'm the outcast here. I'm a, I'm a wheat beer fanatic. I love Hefeweizen. I love funky beers kind of all the yeah. time. And yeah, it's yeah. Not You love seasonal. beers playing bass lines. It's true. I, I like it. Yeah. I want my beer to be in Bella Fleck and the Fleck tones. Yes. Like, but uh, no, I mean, I enjoyed the, uh, the drop top. I've had it, you know, often, you know, like the yeah. other, it's a Widmer. It's been around in Portland available. It's a classic also. You can find it on draft in a lot of places mm-hmm. as well as the Widmer Hef. Widmer Hef is kind of a go-to that a lot of the bars have as like, it's cheap. They can get it cheap and they can sell it. And, it's consistent. And it's consistent. You yeah. don't know what you're yeah, getting. Yeah, that's the key thing. And even if you have dirty lines in your freaking tap system, it's still going to taste okay because it's not a delicate flower that, oh, a little bit of this is going to make it taste like crap. No. Both of these, you don't want to have them sit out in the heat. You want to buy them refrigerated. i buy that. Yeah, that If makes you sense. see them sitting in front of the cooler... Walking down the beer aisle, take the one out of the cooler, not the one sitting on the floor. Even if it's an open cooler, that's not necessarily cold, cold. Yeah. Still, I mean, the, the, you, the, the vent from the heat exchange yes. will be bad news <laughs> yes. for any beer. Yeah. Every time I walk down the aisle and I see beer sitting right in front of it, I'm like, that's where the heat's coming out. Oh, this is not going to end well for that beer. <laughs> so, oh, no, don't do that. Yeah. So, yes. And so buy a beer on sale. Don't buy it off the floor. <laughs> buy it out of the cooler. <laughs> Don't buy floor beer on sale. Yeah, that's Shug. why it's on sale because it's <laughs> Three old. Three-second rule, man. Like, oh, jeez. Who and knows how long that beer's been oh, on the floor? Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, and if you find a, f- a full can beside the road, 
definitely don't drink it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know how long it's been sitting there. Or if somebody who's like, hey, I've got this beer. It's been in my garage for a year. <laughs> you're like, oh, how many times do you get really hot and how many times do you get it really cold? Or if your friend has mm-hmm. a house, uh, housemate or roommate in Floyd who's smoking a bong out of a can, don't drink that. Well, don't drink bong water. Or, or out of a... It was a honey, honey bear, bee, a honey honey bear, bear. like a honey. Well, that's true, but bear, I was hoping a no shaped honey container. I was hoping no one was going to call me out on that. <laughs> it was amazing, and it still had like honey in it. I think. Yes, it did. It was like cloudy water. I'm like, I don't know. I don't do that kind of thing, so I, I mean, don't know. Does bong water get that color? Like, oh, after a lot, I would think. <laughs> However, I think it was actually honey. I think they didn't finish the honey out of the container. They were using it as a bong with honey in the bottom because it was smoking. It was I smoking. I don't hate the idea of a honey filtered pot. Oh, is it a honey pot? Oh my god! Welcome to our welcome to our spinoff. Nice. Welcome to our spinoff. Movie in a bong. Yeah, movie in a bong rip. Oh jeez. All right. Well, with the whole podcast, it's just I don't know what happened here. We don't. So what's a movie into like a strain? Don't what do they what do they call it? Jeez. So. Let us let us focus for a moment and, and no. bid our bid our listeners a thank you for listening. A fond adieu. A fond adieu for tolerating uh, us. So yes, you thanks for listening. You, you Find something on sale that's cheap to go with this because this movie, yeah, while yeah. it isn't a cheap movie, don't distract from it because yeah. you want to watch the screen. If you've seen yeah. this film before, watch it again. It's worth it. It's it's really an enjoyable watch. Yeah, I, I thought it, I hadn't it, seen it, and then we started watching it, and I was like, oh no, I've seen this. I yeah. had the opposite. I thought I had seen it, and as I watched it, it was like, no, this is new for me and i really enjoyed it so i know recommendation i know i've seen it there are chunks i huge chunks i fully forgot about i'd say something you just drink real easy yeah. watch it with friends though oh absolutely uh, yeah. just don't throw stuff at the screen or pillows i did it three times and you won't let me forget about I it i know well or or have pillows get or or furniture i couldn't tell if it was the furniture or the pillows that it was exploded. the pillows it was because it was just poof so uh, uh, not to oh spoil yeah anything. the John Woo moment yeah. the, there's a gunfight <laughs> there's pillows involved and feathers get everywhere yeah like really really soft down it's feathers. a very Tony Scott kind of move to have this delicate fluffy little things during a very intense emotional scene and if you are wearing a wire and it's taped to your nether regions don't go scratching on it because yeah Aaron it stop doing that I know how do you know I'm wearing a wire how are we gonna catch those bad guys if you keep scratching your your groin mic. <laughs> <laughs> if you just scratch all the time, it's not suspicious when you do it. Yeah. I mean, I can't argue with it. He him. looked really nervous when he was doing it, too. Poor Balky was just suffering. Yes. Poor 90s era sweaty man. Mr. Yeah. Elliot, I think, oh, was his yeah. character. The assistant. Name, Brian, Go get me some uh, coffee. Any thoughts? Or <laughs> no. just keep... I have no thoughts on Good man. groin wires. <laughs> they're, they're annoying and challenging. And just don't get shocked by them, because yeah, <laughs> then it's no fun. Anyway, so as always, the opinions expressed during the taping of this recording are those of the hosts. Hydrate. All right. We're, we're going to see if I can do a Christian, uh, Christian Slater. Oh, goodness. oh, my God. If you don't hydrate, you're going to dihydrate. Uh, all right. Close. All right. Uh, you know, find some good beers. Watch it with some friends. Kids, not really acceptable for them. Nah. This is definitely an older teenager movie. Violence, I mean, some nudity, a lot of on, bad I, language. When I looked at but, uh, lots of violence against women. When I looked at violence. IMDb, they have a, a list of things that are either like green, yellow, or red. And most everything red. was... Yellow, one yellow and mostly red. Mostly red. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been warned if you haven't seen it yet, but it's a good film. It has its place oh, in yeah. history. Um, and just, you know, thanks for hanging out and giving us a listen. Until next time, listener, thanks for joining. I hope you also get to escape to Mexico. I'm Floyd, man. What are you? Who are you? Who are you? This is Brian. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> I've seen such things that I wish I had not seen. Through